Monday. Happy Monday to you and you and you and you and you. Um, it's been a week. I hope all is well with everyone. I hope you guys are all starting to get ready for the holiday season. I can't believe today is the 12th, which means 12 days, well, 13 days, uh, to Christmas. Um, yeah, 2022, I'm ready for it to be over, to be honest, personally. Um, but, uh, let's make it through it. I am covering Happily Ever After, Season 7, Episode 16, Wrecking Ball. And uh, hey, Stevie, hey, uh, shout out to the live chat. Uh, I'm going to leave that banner up for a little bit. Uh, support the show, bottom of the screen. You can see where you can support the show. Uh, everywhere at Linda is so girly. What up, Gio? What up, Gio? Listen, funny story about Gio. Love Gio. He's like my new bestie. And uh, I think we were talking about plies. And there was something on Instagram and I just really couldn't understand what he was saying. And so I literally called Gio. I was like, I'm going to need you to translate. And he's like, I'll translate. He's like, I'm from the South. If you're from the South and you're by the water, then you'll understand what he's saying. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, also, if you guys are in the live chat, go ahead and uh, wish Gio a happy belated birthday. He celebrated his birthday on the 9th. Um, he's becoming an old man. So go ahead and call him old man. He'll appreciate that. Um, <laughs> hey, C. Cruz. Hey, Carol. Hey, girl. Hey. All right. Let's get into Jenny and Submit. Okay. First and foremost, Jenny is just doing her own thing, right? She's doing her own thing. She tells the family that she's planning to live in the U.S. and she's going to bring Summit with her without discussing it with Summit, without telling Summit that she's already talked to an immigration attorney. None of the things. She's like, yeah, if you don't accept me and you don't want me to be here, then fine. Guess what? I'm going to take your son and we're going to go to where we're accepted. And so when the family's like, are you really going to move to the U.S.? Instead of Summit answering, Jenny answers, yeah, we are. Because I don't want to keep upsetting the family. And clearly, if we stay here, we're going to continue to upset you. So guess what? We're going to go to the U.S. where we'll both be accepted. And Summit freaks out. He's like, I never wanted to live in the U.S. I didn't tell her I would move to the U.S. We never discussed that I was going to go to the U.S. I'm not willing to lose all my family, all of my friends. This is not what I want. So Summit's dad, Anil, gets upset. Um, and he's like, you know what? You can go. You can stay. At this point, we don't care, which I thought was cold-hearted. I was like, oh, Lord, daddy's saying go, leave. We don't care at this point. But he's like, you know what? It's not going to It's not gonna change how we feel as a family. And our mindset as a family is this. This relationship, we don't accept it. We're never going to accept it. Um, and your mom has been crying day in and day out, day in and day out, which I, again, you guys, I feel is so weird because they've been together for 10 years. So are you, have you been crying for 10 years? You can't accept it for the last 10 years. 
what are you busy doing? Like, why is this all of a sudden so important to your society and your neighbors are calling you, your friends are calling you? Dude, you guys have seen and, and have seen her and him together for the past 10 years. Jenny used to live at your house. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me, but they're still upset. 10 years later, they're still upset. And now they're doubling down and saying that they don't think that the relationship will last more than two years. So go ahead and go to the U.S. submit because we know you'll be back in a year or two. Um, and then Anil goes on to say that, you know, his wife feels that Submit needs to marry someone his age, have kids, and life is nothing without kids. And I was like, that's a pretty harsh statement because there are a lot of people in life that don't want children or don't have the ability to have children or don't have the mental capacity to raise children. And that should be okay. It should be each individual's choice. So you were just born to have kids and that's it. And if you don't have kids and your life is nothing, that's a really harsh statement. So I was like, oh Lord. <clears throat> Now, here's the thing. Samit has not had that conversation with his wife yet. That he's all of a sudden, the other 360, well, a 180, I would say. And now he wants kids. Whether he adopts kids or whatever the case may be. Before he didn't want them, now he wants them. But he hasn't had that conversation with Jenny yet. Which we all knew was going to happen, right? Because he was, if you think about it, Samit's what, 33 or something like that? And they met 10 years ago, so he's 23. So at 23, he's like, yeah, I don't want kids. Ooh, everything is fine, fine, fine. And now, 10 years later, he's starting to change his mind, which obviously is a possibility because he was, like, young and young when they met. And now he's thinking about his future. He's thinking about his legacy. He's thinking about making his parents happy. He's thinking about the society pressures of having children in his culture. And so he's like, yeah, now all of a sudden he wants to have children and he hasn't had that conversation with his 60 plus year old wife. Okay, well, when are you gonna do that, Samit? So what I think is interesting about this relationship, you guys, is that they've been together for 10 years, but clearly they don't communicate. So on the one hand, Jenny's making unilateral decisions about moving to the U.S. And on the other hand, Submit is making unilateral decisions about having a child. Those are both major things. If you think about it, where we're going to live in our lives and whether we're going to expand our family. Gio says he only wants kids because he doesn't want to lose his family. That part. But he still is not having that conversation with Jenny. So <clears throat> Anil goes on to say that his wife wants Jenny and Samit to se separate. And the wife obviously thinks that Samit can find someone better, someone younger, someone more beautiful, and someone more appropriate. And what she's really saying is that she wants Samit to marry a traditional Indian woman that's of his age so that they can have babies and that she doesn't feel, quote unquote, shamed. Which, again, they've been together for 10 years. At what point do you just accept the fact that they're going to be together? Like, when do you accept that? Like, I can't imagine 
trying to hate and break someone up for 10 years. That's a long freaking time. Like, get over yourself, really. And submit, you know, grow a backbone. And you guys, I know you're going to come for me and say it's a cultural thing. And I get it. I understand. I understand the Indian culture more than you guys will realize. Um, but at some point, you also have to live for yourself. And to me, Smith's like constant graveling to get his parents' approval when he made a conscious decision to marry this woman, knowing that his parents were never going to accept her, then you have to get a backbone and own up to that. And now Jenny is your, your family and you need to start supporting your family. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, <clears throat> um, It's the next day and Jen and Christina are going to be leaving India soon. So they decide that they're going to go visit a Royal palace and they're going to have a sit down chat about the night before and how the family dinner didn't go well. And again, I'm going to tell you that Christina, Jenny's daughter is definitely like a ride or die. She rides or dies for her mom and she steps up for her mom and she loves her mom and she's there for her mom and she supports her mom. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. But she goes on to say that, you know, the family did. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dinner didn't go well. Um, and the situation is just a very sad situation. Um, and she can't believe that his family, Summit's family, after all these years, still doesn't accept her mom. And, you know, it's 10 years. This whole situation is one-sided as far as she's concerned. And she feels like it's time for them to move to the U.S. and see something different and be in a different environment and see if that works out for them. And she's not wrong. But the thing is, Summit has to be on board with that. And to me, it sounds like he's not on board. However, present day, if you guys are following their social media, it does look like they're in the U.S. Hey, midwife. Hey, midwife. Crystal. Hey, girl. Hey. Sly Cat says they've been together for 10 years with Summit being married to someone else during that 10 years. SMH facts. Facts, facts. I mean, Sly Cat, let's, if you want to throw it back to there in the shade, think about how they met. They met with Summit catfishing Jenny, and he catfished her for a couple of years before she actually even knew who she was talking to. So, you know, he is who he is, and he's been this way this whole time, and Jenny clearly accepts it. He's lied to her. He's catfished her. He got married on her while they were still in a relationship, stayed married while they were still in a relationship, didn't tell her he married someone while they were still in a relationship. So, hey, Lisa. Hey, girl. Hey. So, do you know what I mean? Like, he can't say that he's actually, you know, an honest and open and communicative person because he throws the shades and the lie all, all the time, all day, every day. That's how he lives his life. So are we surprised anyone? Because I'm not. So <clears throat> Jenny says that Summit really needs to get over his fears and take the leap 
and moved to the U.S. because she got over her fears and she took the leap and moved to the to India. Um, and she was just wants a better life. And she's tired of his family. She's tired of the bullshit. And she thinks that it's about time that they try to live a life where they're both accepted and they both just love each other and support each other. And she thinks that they can do that better in the U.S. Now, Jenny also says that um, she's ready and she's talked to an immigration attorney, right? And Samit is so upset that he, she's talking to a lawyer behind his back. Um, <clears throat> because he's never agreed to come to the US, right? And the other thing that he tells Jenny in this little sit down at the Royal Palace was that he wants to have a kid by the time he's 35. So in the next two years, he wants to have kids, whether he adopts or some other form, he wants to have kids. And Jenny is like, what? Where is this even coming from? If you wanted kids, like, why did you marry me? You know everything about me. You know my age. You know, obviously, I can't have children anymore. You know where I stood. She's living her retired lifestyle. And, she, and you guys know, and we've talked about it a lot on this show. Jenny is not trying to cook. She ain't trying to clean. She ain't trying to do nothing. She's trying to chill. She wants to sit back and chill. And she wants submit to sit back and chill with her. She didn't want submit to go to work. She doesn't want him to have any type of goals. All of a sudden he wants kids. She doesn't want him to have any kids, all that, because she's been there, done that. And she thought she found the, the man that was like, yeah, I'm going to chill out with you. We can just chill and be together 24 seven. And that's it. <clears throat> Ridiculous. So she's like, yeah, if you wanted kids, why did you marry me? You said you didn't want these kids. And you said that you were okay with not having children. And then also you married me. And he's like, well, you know, I want to make my parents happy. And if that means I can get back into my family good graces by having a kid, then that's what I want to do. And he's like, I'm going to do anything to make my parents happy. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of this same shit that we keep hearing Season in and season out with them. Samit wants to get back in the good graces with his family. He wants to do whatever it is that it takes to make his mom and dad happy. Ten years later, they're not happy with your choices. So are we going to be groveling for the next ten more seasons with the same thing? They don't like Jenny. They haven't liked Jenny for ten years. So here we are. Samit, like, take a stance, grow a backbone, and decide, are you in it or are you not in it? Because every time your parents change the rules is when you flip it up and switch it up and say, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm it's ridiculous. You're like, gonna be, you're 33 years old. You should, you should be a man by now. Be a man. <clears throat> Crystal says, these younger men claiming they are fine without having children. That doesn't mean I don't want kids forever. She should have known. That's what I just said, Crystal. Fact. And Stevie says he needs to quit playing, either be with Jenny or go back to mama's house. That part. That part. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, next up is Angela and Michael. If you've been with me, you know how I feel about Angela. So my disclaimer is if I talk crazy about her, it's because I think she's a terrible individual. I think she's a nasty soul. And I just want her to finally 
take responsibility not only for her actions, but for her words, because both are very toxic. That being said, um, Angela's not into meeting Michael's friends. She calls them the goofballs, Peter and Adi a day. But she decides that she's willing to go for drinks with them because they invited her and Michael for drinks. And she's super curious how they knew she was in Nigeria, right? And listen, it's Nigeria. It's Nigeria. If there's someone, a blonde-haired white woman with a fake-ass rat tail, ponytail, boobies popping out in a predominantly Muslim country with her bestie coming over in tiger print, leopard print, whatever it was, you're going to make, and, and you're screaming and cussing and tearing cars apart in a con, like a private compound area, you're going to be noticed. You're going to be noticed. Someone's going to be like, oh, there was this white woman doing this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, you're going to be noticed. And for the friends to know that Michael has a crazy ass, toxic ass, verbally abusive wife, you put two and two together, you're definitely going to get four. And you're going to get four very quickly. <clears throat> so the other thing I don't understand about Angela is that Angela doesn't want Michael to work, which at first, you guys, I really sympathize for Michael. But at this point, I have no sympathy for him because he puts up with her and he allows this behavior and he continues on. And every time you think he's just about to stand up to her, guess what? He buckles and that's it. And and. In my opinion, it's all about the green card. It's all about his his need and want to come to America so bad that he can put his own personal pride, his own personal safety, his own personal life on the side because he so wants to be in America, even if that means being with the most toxic 90-day fiancé cast member that we've ever met. And I... and. You guys, I used to think Lydia, uh, not Lydia, um, Lydia, is that her name? That is her name, Lydia. I used to think she was the most toxic. But Angela has surpassed her by a thousand percent, right? Natatat said, LOL, where did Angela's friend Renee go? Facts. You flew in with Renee and all of a sudden she was in like one and a half scenes and then you're like, yeah, no. The spotlight needs to be on me and me alone. So I don't know where she is, but I don't care because it's about me. I'm the star. I'm the star. I'm Angela. I'm Angela Deem. I just needed to say I had a new friend when really we know. And if you know anything, if you are part of my Patreon, you're part of my news and gossip, we already know the, the deal. Lita, thank you, Lita. <clears throat> Yeah. I used to think Lita was the worst, the most toxic, but Angela has surpassed her in my opinion. Surpassed her by far. So <clears throat> Angela doesn't let Michael have a job. Angela also is now is mad that she hates he's been hanging out or in contact with his friends. I was like, what more, what more can this woman try to control? Seriously, you guys. Like, I can't explain to you how much Angela has colonizer vibes. Like, colonizer vibes. So 
this black grown ass man, you don't want him to work. He can't have friends. He can't be on social media. He can't have an opinion. He can't talk back to you. So is he your slave in present day 2022? Because I don't understand. It doesn't make any other sense. Explain it to me. This grown ass man can't have friends because you don't like them. He can't go to a job because you have such insecurities about your own damn self that you think he's going to cheat on you if he has a job. He can't be on social media because, oh, you're so insecure that you think women are in his DMs. Like, stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. Like, I, I can't. I, I just, I can't. Like, you are not a god. You are not Michael's boss. And he's not your slave. So I don't understand what the fuck we're talking about right now. He can't do anything unless you approve it. Makes no sense to me. So <clears throat> Michael's like, you know, I just want to go. I want to bring Angela because I want to make peace before I go to the U.S. And I was like, mm, see, that's what this is really about. It's just really about you wanting to really be in the United States by any means necessary. And that's why I have no sympathy for him anymore because I get that he put in the work, you guys, and I get that he's been verbally and physically abused for all the last five years and he just really is trying to get to the end line. But at the same time, you got to have some self-respect. You got to stand up for yourself. And if that means you never come to America, and guess what, you guys? I personally don't think he should ever come to Georgia. Hazelhurst, Georgia, with Angela, who's a verbal and physical abuser. You're going to be in the deep south with no family, no friends, as a pure black African man, with your woman who has no qualms about putting hands on you or verbally abusing you. And so, what? You're going to go with her six ass grandkids, her her daughter, and then the other daughter who is a pedophile and and that's not an accusation. You can look it up in the record. You're gonna go and live in that dysfunctional situation. And so when Angela gets mad at you and you guys have a fight and then she calls the police and guess what? It's the black man that's the problem. Guess what? I fear for your safety. I fear, I fear for your safety. You should stay exactly where you are because if Angela can disrespect you and come out guns a-blazing, wrecking your property, putting her hands on you in Nigeria with no qualms about it. Can you imagine what's going to happen when you're isolated? You can't work for the first couple of years because you ain't got your green card yet. Stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. You need to think twice. No amount of abuse is worth the green card. Because what we don't want to see is you six feet under after you've only been in America for six months. And that's the projection I see. Because this woman doesn't give a rat's ass about you. She gives a rat's ass about controlling you. But you having freedom? Oh, Lord, good luck to you. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. So Angela arrives at this drinks with Peter in a day. And 
I'm just gonna pop this picture up there. The friend, one of a day, a day hasn't seen her in three years and says, Angela, you look real good. And she's like, I know. And I'm looking at this photo. Um, and I mean, let's talk parameters. What does real good mean? Because I, I mean, what does real, real good as opposed to what she looked like before real good as in she's lost weight because I'm looking at her and you guys, I cannot, I can't, I can't stop talking about her friggin' ponytail. The ponytail that looks like like a rat's tail that is like synthetic hair. I'm I, I just I just don't understand why someone doesn't help her out. There are so you know in Atlanta there are so many amazing hairdressers. Amazing. You can get your hair popping. And yet every week, day in and day out. We have to see her put in this like rat's tail that I, I I mean, between the rat's tail, the gold 1980s necklaces that she literally goes to bed and sleeps in, the I mean, I could go on, but you guys get the point. So anyways. Friends say she looks real good. She says she knows. And she does think she does look really good, you guys. And you know what? You know, when you lose weight, you definitely gain more confidence. But Angela definitely, in my opinion, has to work on her insides rather than her outsides because the insides don't match the outsides. And the outsides are leaving a lot to the imagination for me personally. So she sits down and she, first thing she says is, how did you know I was in Nigeria? And Michael's friend Adey says, well, everyone knew. The whole neighborhood knew. A white lady came around to create a big scene at Michael's home. And um, the scene was a huge scene. And they're like, that's when we definitely knew Angela was in town. And when I tell you, I laughed. I laugh because what I love about Michael's friends is they don't they don't care about her. They already know that she is outrageous and obnoxious and they give her back what she gives them and she can't handle it. That's why she's always walking away and cussing up a storm because she can't handle someone else going toe-to-toe with her, going toe-to-toe. You're going to bring a nasty attitude. I'm going to have a nasty response. You're going to have a nasty attitude. I'm going to have a nasty response. And she's not used to it. She's used to Michael buckling under pressure. She's used to bullying people and all of them buckling under her. But these two, they're like, nah, we, we see your number. We got you. And we are not impressed. So go ahead and continue to try to bully us, but you're not going to because we don't give a rat's ass about you. We think you're bossy. We think you're toxic. And we don't think you're right for Michael. So <clears throat> they go on to say, you know, Angela creates trouble everywhere she goes. And they invited Michael and Angela out because they saw that Michael shut down his Instagram and wanted to know why. Because, you know, he wants to be a social media influencer. So why all of a sudden did you shut down your Instagram? Oh, because Angela's here and Angela still wants to be the boss and she still wants to boss you around and you're listening to her. Um, Crystal says, I love the goofballs. They need merch at this point. Facts. And Stevie says, they keep it 100 and it's brilliant. 
And Natatat says the phony pony. <laughs> the phony pony, that's funny, is nasty. So Peter says, Michael, where are you on Instagram? I thought you wanted to be an influencer. And that's when Angela freaks out. She's like, the Instagram, the Instagram, the Instagram, you almost wrecked our marriage and we almost got divorced. What are you even talking about, Angela? That's all in your mind. It only almost wrecked your relationship because you couldn't handle it. You couldn't handle the fact that Michael was literally on Instagram and you were so insecure about your own damn self that you were worried that other women were DMing him. Now, here's the thing. Michael could do so much better, you guys. And there are women that, you know, Megan met Prince Harry on Instagram through the DMs. There are other people that I'm sure Michael could meet that he doesn't have to put up with any of the shit that he puts up with. And I'm convinced it's because he thinks that this is the only way he can get to America. And it's super unfortunate to me. It's super unfortunate to me because he could just do so much better. Um, so his friends go on to say that, you know, we don't think that Angela is the best option for him. And Angela starts freaking out. And of course the F-bombs are dropping left, right, and center. Um, and she's like, you know, F and turn this table over. F you. I'm not the one that you F with. Yeah. And they both, Day and Peter, keep their calm. But they match her at her lever and they're like, calm down. Just calm down. Okay. Um, she lights up a cigarette because she's getting herself all riled up. And she continues to fight with Peter in a day. And a day's like, calm down. I'm not the one that's effing you. So calm down. And she's like, how dare you speak to me like that? How dare you, Michael? You better say something. You better tell your friends. Because I will come across this table. Oh, fuck off, Angela. Just, you can't intimidate everyone. You're going to, at one point, and like with the two, Peter and a day, you're going to meet your match. And they're not, they're sitting there chilling. They're not afraid of you. They don't even absorb your toxic, disgusting behavior. They sit, they chill. And they keep it calm and cool and collected. And she can't stand it. She can't stand it because she can't get a rise out of them. And they can't understand why she can't understand why they're not like reacting to her because Angela likes to escalate stuff. Right. So she likes to like be overbearing and like cuss you out and be like an aggressive bear. Right. With her nasty ass face being like, ah, right? And they're like, calm down, calm down. And people who are aggressive abusers like that, they don't like the fact that they're not getting a rise out of you. And so she doesn't know what to do with herself. That's why she always walks away. She gets up, I'm done. I'm done. F you. I'm done. And she walks away because her bullying behavior is not working for her. So 
Michael, which I was so disappointed about you guys, Michael decides that he's going to stick up for Angela and he feels like a date is being disrespectful to his wife. He's like, oh, stop it, stop it. This is my wife. This is my wife. Um, and then she, Angela gets up. She calls a day nasty and foul. And they're like, well, you're the villain. And she's like, I might be the villain, but I'm also the boss. I'm a boss bitch. Okay, Angela, you're a boss bitch over what? You ain't got no job. You ain't got no money. I mean, I can sit here and talk to you about how, and I will talk to you about it because it, it's ridiculous to me. So uh, I'm just going to give you a, the short version of this. But if you go on her TikTok, she uh, has been recently up until the 23rd is raised, trying to raise $6,000 for her sick dog. But I found out through a reliable source that her sick dog, she hasn't had that sick dog in over a year. So she's literally raising money for herself. But meanwhile, she's pretending that it's not her raising money, but it's on her own account. So she's like, I'm raising money for Angela Dean, but it's on Angela Dean's account. And then while you're raising $6,000, because you're saying you don't have the $6,000 for your lost sick dog, you fly out to Florida to celebrate your birthday with Nick Hogan and that his family and friends. So which is it, Angela? You don't have the money for your dog or you don't have the money to travel? Because you clearly had enough money to travel and go celebrate in Florida. So all of this stuff that you're saying, I just personally think, A, you're a con artist. B, you ain't got no money, honey. So you ain't no boss bitch to anybody. You're just clearly... A bully, you're clearly a user, you're clearly uh, a verbal abuser towards Michael, and that's it, period. And Michael accepts it, and it's not okay with me at this point. I have no sympathy for him because guess what? You put up with what you put up with, and every time you say, and we're like supporting you, go, Michael, go, Michael, go, Michael, you act like you're gonna stand up for yourself, but then you don't. And so at some point, I have to be like, I don't have any respect for you. My note literally says Michael is a punk, SMH. In the car, pulls out her cigarette again, and she is complaining about his friends. And my note here again says, while she's complaining, what happened to her friend Renee? And they get to the room. It's she's packing because she's going to be leaving Nigeria, and she's smoking again. And I was like, "And where where can you smoke in? Where can you smoke in hotel rooms nowadays? Unless you're just like you don't care about what the rules are." And ugh, anyways, she's leaving Nigeria. Uh, she says to the audience that she still doesn't trust Michael one hundred percent, but she's still willing to work on her marriage. Mm, but she also knows that Michael loves her. And Michael's like, I've never met someone or loved someone the way I love Angela. And I was just like, oh, Michael, for real, for real. For real, for real. Okay. So they get to the airport and she starts to flip it around again and say, you know, she's not sure what's going to happen with her marriage, but she's trying to make it work. 
Uh, but Michael, you know, as long as he doesn't make mistakes again, um, she'll try, but she doesn't have the strength to deal with it anymore. And I was like, this, again, Angela just needs to really try to own up to her responsibilities and the reason why she's having so many issues in her relationship. She's the issue, period. She's the issue, period. Hey, Philip. Hey. All right. Moving on to Jovi and Yara. There's not a lot of drama with jo Jovi and Yara. I, I think they're, the drama that they're having is getting escalated for no reason. Here's what I think. I think that Jovi and Yara should have had a conversation, communicated in, in their marriage. Yara made it clear that she wanted to go to Prague to help her friends and family, right? And they're in Germany now, and that's where her long-lost friend uh, Karina is, and she wants to spend time with them. And she should just communicate, hey, because we were in a pandemic, I haven't seen my friends and family for two and a half years or whatever it is. And since you're going back to the US and then you're gonna go off to work and it might be 30 days, it might be 60 days, however long you're gonna be gone. I wanna stay here and continue to bond with my family and friends while you're away so that I'm not by myself in the US with my kid or our kid, right? That's all she needs to say. But now they're making this big deal where Jovi's like, oh, we, we came together, we leave together, and I'm putting my foot down, and you're trying to leave me, and you're trying to stay here, and you're trying to buy a place here, and, and there's a problem with a relationship, and I said no, and, and we should have a baby, another baby will make us closer. Well, do you see how that escalated? I, I mean, I understand both sides. I get what Jovi's saying, like, I don't feel safe, but you know, Europe is a big place, just like America is a big place, just like Canada is a big place. The war in Ukraine is not the war in Germany. And Germany and Ukraine aren't side by side. They're not like border towns where like, oh, the war might spill over to Germany. Like, that's not how it works. So like, I get Jovi's concerns, but at the same time, I don't get his concerns. Do you see what I'm saying? Anyways, they're going hiking. It's Karina, the Talmudge guy, Jovi and Yara, and they're in this beautiful town. Yara thinks it's like a dream town and she wants to take up like the sights and the views and all of that stuff. And Jovi's really like trying his best to get close to her. So they get there, he opens her door, he tries to like hug and kiss on her and she like goes like this, like get away from me, denies him and tells him that he's annoying which I thought was really sad, right? Because Jovi really is feeling a little bit insecure about the relationship and insecure that that he thinks that his wife is possibly trying to leave him, right? Um, and so they're hiking, they're talking, they're walking. And Jovi's like, you know, I wish you would stop treating me like I'm stupid, like speak English so that I can understand, so I don't feel like you're talking about me. And Yara's like, well, it's not my fault that you don't speak the language. It's not my fault that you haven't tried to, to learn the language and I'm not treating you like you're stupid. You are stupid. I was like, oh, that's so mean. Oh, it's so mean. 
Um, so they're walking and Karina's like, you know, Jovi, have you thought about, hey, auntie, hey, auntie. Auntie says, uh, I think it's so manufactured. I think they made an agreement that she can stay and he's spending time there before he goes and leaves her. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that this whole fight that they're having is unnecessary because these two have been known to communicate with each other and talk about like their wants and their needs and what they like and what they don't like. So all of a sudden you guys quit communicating. doesn't make sense to me. And again, like I just said, it's been a while since, since the pandemic that she's seen her family. Jovi's going to work anyway. So why should he even care? And Europe is a, it's a big continent. It's not like the war is right beside her, her. So like, it just all doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, so <clears throat> Karina thinks that Jovi wants to control Yara and she doesn't really like what she's see, seeing. Meanwhile, Talmudge, his friend, says, you know, you made a commitment to my boy, so you got to do what my boy says and you got to go back home with him because you committed to him. Now, here's the thing, and I said it before and I'm going to say it again. First of all, Talmudge, you're a long-lost friend. Jovi hasn't seen you in 10 years, so friggin' butt out of his relationship. You ain't know nothing. You don't know nothing about nothing about nothing. I, like Drake says, no new friends. I don't need your opinion as a viewer. I don't give a shit about you because we're probably not going to see you again. So stop butting in. I'm tired of hearing like the nonsense. Who are you? Jovi literally said he hasn't seen you in 10 years. He was your party buddy. And now you're trying to give relationship advice and you're not even married and you're giving a married person married married relationship advice and then karina great i get it you're yara's best friend but again i always tell you guys work on your relationship within your relationship when you start spewing all this nonsense and listening to everybody else who's not in your relationship and doesn't know the day in and day out of your relationship then it gets messy now i'm not saying don't talk to your bestie and be like hey this is what's going on and and all of that stuff what i'm saying is that the advice that that they give you, you have to also take it with a grain of salt because they're also not in that relationship with you. It's you and your partner that's in the relationship. And you need to take a moment and communicate to your partner your needs and your wants, your likes and your dislikes, and then you won't have a problem. <sighs> These friggin' randoms, Karina and Talmadge, giving you relationship advice. And we've seen you, listen, call me, I'll give you relationships advice because I'm more invested than these two fools who showed up for like two, three episodes. We, the collective we, the 90-day community has been with jo jo Javi. <laughs> has been with Jovi and Yara longer than we've known these two fools. They get back from their hike and Jovi's like, Yara's in the bed and Jovi is being like a super weirdo and he's in the other room, but he's just like staring at Yara. And I was like, what's happening here? This is giving me like creeper vibes. Like, what are you doing? Um, she tells him that she's been miserable for the last two and a half years. And I was like, well, that's a bit of a stretch, Yara. You've been miserable for the last two and a half years really you've been miserable 
I mean, we've all been through a pandemic, so it was a terrible time, but you haven't been miserable. You had a brand new friggin' baby, so that brought you joy and happiness. You um, had Jovi's mom as a support system, so that brought you joy and happiness. You got a boob job, so that brought you happiness. There's a lot of things that brought you happiness since you came to America, so what are you talking about? You've been miserable for the last two and a half years. That doesn't even make sense to me. You decided to move to America and you literally said two episodes ago how you were so lucky to be living in America that you actually had guilt because a lot of your friends living in Ukraine didn't have it as good as you. So I'm I'm confused. What exactly was the misery about? You started a business, you have your own online company. Like I, I'm just confused. What where's the misery? Lonely, maybe, misery, I don't know. So she says that, you know, because she's been miserable for the last two and a half years, um, she wants to stay and be with her friends and family um, in Europe. And Joey's like, you know, I'm just worried that she's pushing me away. I'm worried that she, if she's saying that she's miserable, that she might stay and stay and stay and stay and stay. Um, and, you know, she might leave me. That's what he's worried about. And he goes on to say, you know, if she's miserable, what does that mean for our marriage? Uh, if she stays in Europe, uh, what will that mean for our marriage? Does that mean our marriage is over? Like, he doesn't know. But again, you guys should communicate. You guys have never had a problem communicating. So go ahead and talk to your wife and go ahead and talk to your husband. I don't see what the problem is all of a sudden. Um, so Jovi feels like they're drifting apart. And Yara thinks that he feels that way because he's losing control over her, which, you know, again, I remember Yaris distinctively saying that Jovi was her best friend, her support system, her everything. So all of a sudden he's controlling, like, where is this coming from? Like, I need answers. You're miserable for the last two and a half years. Now you're saying your husband is controlling. Like, since when? It's like, since when? And then they wanted to top it all off by saying that there's some cultural differences. Well, obviously there's cultural differences, but you guys have been together long enough to realize you're two separate cultures. Crew says, my husband is a truck driver, so I get it, but you need to make your own life and happiness. That part. That part. I tell you. All right. Let's talk about Kimberly and Usman. <laughs> you guys, this storyline is getting so absurd to me. I just, I don't even know what to say. I just don't even know what to say. It's just so absurd. It's clear that these two are not in a real relationship. It's clear that you guys have a business relationship so that you can be on TV but the storylines are outrageous, are outrageous. Like, so first you want us all to believe that um, you're gonna take on a second wife and you took us down that journey. We met a girl, you find out that you can't really have a second wife or you're trying to get a green card and come over to America. And then now since that, that cockamamie story wasn't gonna work, now you wanna literally abduct your brother's child and have Kimberly 
rate him? Like, where did you even come up with this story? Kimberly's met this kid one time. She's even admitted that she hasn't even really had any type of interaction with uh, Madi. But you want to come cold turkey and say to your brother and his wife to their face. Because look at look at the wife's face. The wife is looking at her husband like, you best not be listening to this nonsense. You best believe that we're not about to give up our child to this Yahoo and this Yahoo. Come on now, you guys. Like, I mean, am I the only one that thinks this storyline is super outrageous? You want to take this child, adopt him as your own, give him to a woman who is clearly said she knows nothing about the Muslim culture, is not about to convert. She smokes, she drinks, all the things that the Muslims don't do. But yeah, he's going to be in better hands. Like, fucking stop it. Just stop it. Y'all are just, I'm trying to figure out, like, why, why are they insulting our intelligence like that, viewers? 90 day fans. Why? Why do you think they're insulting us like that? It doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, they're in the hotel room as per usual. And he wants a foot rub. She says no because she's mad at him because she's like, why did I come all the way to Nigeria and you didn't tell your brother about the whole adoption fiasco? Um, and so they have a disagreement. Lisman leaves, sees Jamal at the pool and tells Jamal, Hey, you know, I'm giving your, your mom, she's tired. So I'm giving her a few minutes to get situated. And she's also upset about Muhammad not knowing about the adoption stuff. Um, and Jamal's like, well, yeah, I would be upset too. Like this doesn't even make any type of sense. And, you know, it seems to me like you tell the truth for your benefit. Whatever makes you look good, you tell the truth in that way. But you don't really tell the truth, truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. <laughs> and then, Usman, did you guys, I have to push this down for a second because I need you guys to see my face. Did you guys notice when... Jamal said that Usman said, quote, I don't easily lie. He didn't say I'm not a liar. He doesn't say I don't lie. He said, I don't easily lie. Well, it's clear you don't easily lie because the lies that you come up with are so far-fetched. They're ridiculous. I'm an international superstar. Lie. I'm going to have a second wife, but I love Kimberly. Lie. Now I'm about to adopt my brother's son, and he's going to be good with it, and we're going to provide him with a better life, even though when you go to America, you're not going to have a green card for the first couple of years. So really, you mean that Kimberly's going to provide for him? Oh, lie. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I'm just saying... You say I don't easily lie. You didn't say I'm not a liar. You say I don't easily lie. <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, you know, in every relationship or marriage, couples are going to want to have kids. Jamal's like, well, you know, she couldn't have kids when you met her and you decided to still be with her. And I'm going to tell you that Kimberly was his second choice, plan B, because he really just cared about being on TV. Period. 
He cared about being on TV. He really wanted to be on TV with Zara. I've shown you guys the video footage where he literally said, I wanted to be on TV with Zara. She had the contract in her hand. She decided last minute that she wasn't going to do it. I still really needed to be on TV because I'm an international superstar. So Kimberly, who used to, when he went live on Instagram, used to be one of the people that watched his live, was a super fan, decided to slide into his DMs. He's like, oh, this is a super fan. So she's going to just be drooling all over me. And for the simple fact, you guys, that she's back to wearing Usman Soldier Boy t-shirts again, tells me how far she's slipped down the scales. So in her... Usman t-shirt, he's saying, yeah, I realized that I'm married, I'm not married, I am in this faux relationship with a super fan, but she's going to make me look good because she's always going to be drooling over me and telling me how great I am and telling me how amazing my music is. She's always going to be marketing and promoting me because she's constantly wearing my t-shirts, hashtag Usman, hashtag soldier boy, hashtag idiot, hashtag potential wife, hashtag future. Oh my God. Just I can't. Sly Cat. I can't. I can't, Linda. You have me in tears. Stevie, I'm dead. I'm just saying. I'm only speaking truth. I don't easily lie. <laughs> oh, my God. So freaking ridiculous. Jamal goes on to say, you know, you don't realize how much my mom does for you. I just broke it down. She really is his manager marketing uh, campaign manager, social media manager, cheerleader, super fan, um, gift giver. Um, what else is she? Financial supporter. Um, all the things. She's all the things. So yeah, Jamal's not joking when you're like, you don't realize how much my mom does for you, how much she sacrifices for you. And in turn, Usman's like, well, I just really think Jamal gets in his mom's business too much. Yeah, you think that because you don't like the fact that Jamal has an influence on his mom and can tell her, hey, listen, you need to stop. You know that PS5 that he gave me? That's the same PS5 that you bought me. Or excuse me that you bought him, that you brought to Nigeria or wherever you brought it, Tanzania or wherever you bought it. And he took it back and now he's regifting it. And notice that he didn't give back the laptop, the MacBook, didn't give that back. Never once has paid for a ticket. She pays for every single ticket to go visit him. Okay. You only think that Jamal's up in Kim's business because now he's seeing the true light. He's seeing how you really treat her. He's seeing the fact that, yeah, you guys were goo goo gaga at the airport, but really, <clears throat> you guys are not really ever intimate. I don't see that passion. I don't see the connection. I don't see like any of that. And we see in the preview how Kimberly, again, is still begging this fool for sex. 
They never have sex. You want to know why they don't have sex, y'all? Because they're not a real couple. He ain't trying to be with her. He doesn't really want to be with her. He doesn't really like her. He's not in love with her. And I'll remind you of when she proposed to him and he said, you know, if this will make you happy. <laughs> like he's the prize. Oh my God. I could go on and on about these two. It's just so freaking outrageous. It's outrageous. Okay. So <clears throat> so they're getting ready to meet Muhammad and Kimberly's not happy because she says, quote, she feels like Muhammad's going to think that it's some white lady here to kidnap their baby. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. You're Can you imagine? You Can you imagine? Okay, I'm just going to, I don't even know, but I'm going to say C. Cruz. Okay, so let's say C. Cruz has some kids, right? And she invites me over and I'm like, I can't have kids, but I know C. Cruz is cool with me. And I tell my partner, hey, we're going to go to my my bestie C. Cruz. I'm going to tell her like, hey. I want to go ahead and uh, hold. Like, I haven't given C. Cruz any forewarning. Uh, she doesn't know why the hell I'm coming over. I'm just like, I'm coming over. I'm bringing my partner. Hey, C. Cruz. Um, so what we're, what I was thinking was that I could go ahead and take this baby that's sitting in your lap right there, who clearly is a beautiful, smart, young child. I'm going to go ahead and take that that baby from you, your baby that you made in your family with your partner. And I, can you just give me your baby? And let me just get the quotes because I was like, okay, what? What are you talking about? I don't feel like I need two husbands, but he says obviously two wives, um, because it will deny me coming to America because, you know, it's not legal there. So I was thinking, C. Cruz, that you can give me your child, and in this case, Maudie, to adopt him as my child. And I was like, um, can you imagine the audacity of someone just cold turkey coming to you saying, hey, by the way, can I have your kid? I'm not going to have two wives now because, you know, that's going to hinder me getting my green card. But if I could go ahead and have your kid, that would be great. We'll give him a great life. I won't have a job, but you know, I'm an international superstar and I have to come back every three months because that's part of the contract that I have with the family in order to marry this old ass woman. But he'll still be there with her, but she's not going to convert to being a Muslim. She doesn't know anything about the Muslim culture. She's not trying to learn anything about the Muslim culture, but we'll definitely take care and provide for him. And he will grow up knowing not only the culture, but the religion, some by some miraculous, immaculate conception. If you look at this photo, the wife's face again, she's like looking at her husband like, you better put your your crazy ass brother in check. What they're not about to do is take this baby. What they're not what are they saying? The baby that I birthed, the baby right here, who's obviously happy and healthy and thriving. What is it that you want to do? 
you want to send this baby over to this American woman who is like 50 something, just got a new job at a spa, smokes, drinks, doesn't know anything about the Muslim culture or faith. And you want me to do what? Okay. Let me just stop right now. So <laughs> oh my god, it's so stupid. So Osman goes on to say that you know he wants to legally adopt Mahdi um and have Mahdi under their care in the US. And then he you notice how he always throws Kimberly under the bus. He's always like, it's not really my idea per se, but I know that it would make Kimberly happy and Kimberly's happy with that. And Madi would have the best education and whatever he needs will provide. And I already told you guys, like, I don't, I don't see how he's going to provide shit because he ain't got shit and he won't have shit when he gets to the U.S. for the first little while. So explain that to me. Now you can see in this photo my note here was that the mom was pissed and she's like, I'm going to have to think about this, but look how she's looking. She's like almost about to roll her eyes. She's holding on to her baby for dear life. Like what you're not about to do. And you guys forgive me, but what you're not about to do is try to be the white savior. And you're not even a savior. You're going to try to disrupt this fine Nigerian family. Who's doing fine on their own, raising their own kids, minding their own business. And you got crazy uncle Usman running them up, coming up with some scheme left, right, and center. I'm going to have a second wife. I'm going to be an international superstar. I think I'm like Michael Jackson. I think my talent is at the same level as Michael Jackson. I think I'm friends with Kiss Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. Like a year and a half ago, he was adding Chrissy Teigen, saying he was getting married, and he wanted Chrissy Teigen to officiate his marriage. Then the same crazy uncle who lied about going on a uh, tour to the United States posted on social media these fake billboards where his billboard was in Times Square and Atlanta and Los Angeles. To turn out, it was just Photoshop. He ain't never been there. He's never been to America. Like, why, who and what and where and why and when would you put the custody of this young boy, Mahdi, into crazy Uncle Usman's hands? Make that make sense. Okay, thank you for coming to my tech talk. <laughs> All of those things I just said are true. All of those things. And then some. Those are only the things I can think of off the top of my head. <sighs> Jesus. So, both Muhammad um, and his wife, uh, Zainab, said, listen, we want to raise our child in uh, Isla Islamic orientation. And we want to make sure that he's raised with specific cultural and religious orientations. And so we're going to have to consult some other people because what you're saying right now is ridiculous, doesn't make any sense to us. And I, for one, am not having it. So we'll go consult the elders and we'll get back to you. And Muhammad's like to Kimberly, you know, how will you teach him the Hassas? Hassus? Hassas? Hassa. Hassa, Hassa culture. Because, you know, the culture is different in America. 
And, you know, the most important thing to me is our religion. And will you convert to Muslim? And Kimberly's like, hell nah. And they go on to say, you know, we want Mahdi to be raised Muslim. And if Isma's not there all the time, then what's going to happen? And Kimberly didn't have any answers because all she knew is that she's absolutely 100% not trying to become Muslim, learn about the Muslim faith and religion. That's not it. So they leave there. They get back to the hotel. Kimberly's outside smoking and pacing, meets up with Jamal. She's pissed about the entire situation, thinks Usman put her in an awkward situation about the adoption idea. But here's the thing, Kimberly, you went with the idea and you didn't say or ask any questions. You just flew out there and was like, yeah, okay, well, maybe I'll be adopting this kid. So you can't just really be mad at Usman with his ridiculous ideas because you see all the ridiculous ideas he comes up with and you continue to put up with it and you continue to support it, which is exactly what Jamal said. Um, <clears throat> Jamal's like, you don't even know what real life is going to look like with Usman. You've always ever only been on vacation with him. You don't know what the day-to-day -day grind is going to look like. And meanwhile, you guys are planning second wives, stealing children, K-1 visas, all the things. When you don't really know this man and you don't really know what real life is going to look like, like that's on you. That's literally what he said. Um, you know, and you... Usman says he needs a kid and you go with it and you know, that's on you. He's taking advantage, but you too are also taking advantage of the situation because you should know better. You're older. You should know better. So you should do better. <sighs> Next up. Again, I think Ed and Angela are in the same category for me personally. Uh, I just, I don't understand Ed. I think, I just, I don't understand him. And he's definitely not the prize, although he thinks he's the prize. So they're at the beach. And you notice that Ed and Liz always go to the beach when it's freezing cold. Like she has a puffy jacket on. He has to put a shirt on. And he's a grown ass man, still doesn't know how to put on a shirt. And like, I don't want to talk crazy about Ed, but like whatever's going on with him, it's like getting worse. That's all I'll say. Like you can't, you can't even dress yourself. And Liz even said the same thing. I feel like I'm, I'm your mother and I'm having to dress a child. Like you're just like, oh, oh, oh my God, I cannot with him either. Liz is ready to go back to work. Uh, she works in the food and hospitality in industry. So obviously, you know, it's long hours. It's not a nine to five. Um, and Ed has an issue with that. Um, and on the one hand, he doesn't want her to work long hours, late hours, because he's jealous that she'll go out for drinks after work with her coworkers. But it does make him feel a little bit better that that um, she'll be away so that she can miss them a little bit. They can save because they're trying to buy a house. Um, but you know, at the same time, it scares him because he doesn't want her to have any type of independence. He doesn't want her to have any type of money because he's controlling and he's insecure. He's a little man with a big ego and controlling ways. And so he wants to make sure that she doesn't thrive. Um, because once she thrives and it has her own thing, can do her own thing, she'll probably come to her senses and realize that this is not the relationship for her. 
Ed has been single for 30 years for a reason. So, um, he doesn't like the interest that she's in, uh, doesn't want her to work late. And he's never going to be okay with that. She's like, well, it's a restaurant. We have late hours. Uh, it's all about his insecurities and his controlling behavior. He doesn't like the fact that there's a bunch of young people that, you know, go to work to make money and then go party. And he, again, is insecure. He thinks that her coworkers don't like him. And that's what led them to breaking up a few of the eight to billion times that they've broken up. And so she's like, well, I'm going back to work. This is my job. I don't know what else I can tell you. I'm doing exactly what I told you I'm going to do. And I'm doing it per your requirements because what you say goes, which I thought was a really weird thing to say and very, very scary to me. Like, she's a grown ass woman as well. So what Ed said, like, why, why, what does, why is Ed controlling you? You worked at the place before you saw Ed and met Ed. Ed actually met you at your job. So he knew exactly what you did. And now you can't make a move without consulting and getting approval from big Ed Two two by two Ed two by two. This dude right here, this dude, this dude, you need approval from Liz. I'm going to need you to take a look at yourself, take a long, good, hard look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself why you have to get permission from this dude right here. Who clearly, like I said, has doesn't have a lot of relationship experience, clearly has insecurity issues and control issues. And also, like, let me not get into his problematic behavior. Okay. There's a reason why he has a the nickname big because he's earned it. So why again are you allowing him to control you? Someone please make that make sense. So Liz says she doesn't want to be held back. Um, she feels like she has to choose between Ed and her job. Go ahead and choose your job. Job was there before Ed. Job will be there after Ed. And you need to make your money because I don't know how you forget that you're also a mom. You are someone's mom, someone's role model. You have to provide for, for a young person. And you're worried about this fool right here. This one that I'm seeing on my screen, this one that stalks you at your job, comes to the bar while you're working. And all he can think about is himself. Okay. All right. Okay. So he shows up at her job. <clears throat> She's back at work. She's full-time manager. Um, she's also been offered a partnership in the restaurant, which I think was really an interesting. Like, can you dig into that? So the oh, like, what's the equity part of this? You're offering her partnership. What is she bringing to the table since she doesn't have any money? So what is the equity that she's going to be bring, bringing in that she can become a partner? Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I just really feel, sometimes I just really feel like, they think we're idiots. Us, meaning the 90 Day fandom. Us, the people that watch the show and have been watching the show. Like, <sighs> Explain to me, you want her to be a partner, but explain to me how she would become a partner. She literally said that she had only, she cut down her hours. She wasn't really working. She's now just coming back to work. She's clearly said that she doesn't have any money. Her kid, she doesn't have control of. Uh, the kid lives full-time with the baby daddy. And 
she is in an unstable relationship with no money, but she's going to become a partner. How? Cause like, I'll, I'll become a partner. Like how, how is it blood, tears and sweat equity? I, Bye, Bgatch. Bye. Thank you for being here. Um, I don't know. Just I don't, I don't know. So Ed is not really here for it. He's like, well, what does that mean? Are you gonna be working more hours? Um, because you know, I don't want I don't like that what that looks like because I'm looking for a wife. So your wife can't work, but yet you don't have money to provide for her like oh my god my note here which is super random but I put my note says he's looking more and more like Humpty Dumpty <laughs> it has no reference no nothing it was just I guess I was watching and looking at this looking at him at the bar drinking his wine and I guess that that's what I came up with. But I also came up with that he's selfish. Because she comes up to him. She orders his food. She knows his favorite salad and whatever. And asks how his day was. And he tells her. And then she's like, well, you going to ask me how my night went? Because he's selfish. She doesn't care because he thinks it's all about him. Um, she tells Ed about the partnership. And he gaslights her. And he then turns around and tries to gaslight us, the audience, by saying, well, she's all over the place. First, she says she wants to move. Then now she's back to work. Now she's saying she needs more hours. Now, all of a sudden, she's going to be a partner. Um, and now she's choosing her career over us. I think she's selfish. Um, and I don't want her working 80 hours a week. I want a wife. And I was like, mm, see, all of this gaslighting that you're doing, no one cares about it. No one cares about it at all. Last and certainly the least interesting for this episode, in my opinion, Andre and Libby, um, they keep talking about the immigration status. And I have to tell you guys that um, the whole immigration process has slowed down since the pandemic. And they're literally running a year and a half behind. So they're milking this storyline for no reason at all. Because if you knew anything about uh, the USCIS, you'll know that they're a year and a half behind since the pandemic in processing everything, green cards included. But they're making it seem like some random person called immigration on Andre specifically and that's what's holding up his immigration status. That is indeed not what is happening. And you can ask any immigration attorney, they'll tell you that they're just running behind. That's what it is. That's why it's taking so long. So that being said, they have Chuck over and Chuck is chilling. Chuck tells them that he's met someone online. He's been online perusing. Um, and it's another woman as a cancer survivor. That's how they connected. And she's coming to Tampa and they're going to meet in real life. And he's excited about it and all the things. And Andre, you know, decides that he wants to make it a double date because he thinks that Chuck is rusty and hasn't been in the dating game. So he thinks that 
it would be better if he comes to help him out. And the simple fact that these two are bros now is amazing to me. But it's not really amazing to me because Chuck has the money. And Andre knows that Chuck has the money. So he has to keep Chuck as close as possible because Andre would be nothing without Chuck's money. Um, so they're going to make a double date of it. Meanwhile, uh, Charlie and Meg are back. And they're talking about how things still aren't great with, cause Chuck has slided with Andre and Libby. So it's like Chuck, Andre and Libby, and then Charlie and Meg and Becky and Jen and the rest of the family. Right. So there's a division of the two sides and they're going to all come together and go to family therapy soon. And so they're going to talk about that and how Andre has divided the family. And Charlie feels like there's more people coming around to his side now and he feels like Andre is a selfish asshole and Libby's right there behind him. And they're going to know the truth. The truth is coming out and that's what's going to happen. So they're going to go to family therapy and Meg is like already like, oh, is it going to be team Charlie versus team Andre? And, you know, if he comes aggressive to you, let him hit you because then I'll call the police and then I'll get his ass deported. And I was like, oh, Lord, everyone just calm down. Take a total chill pill. Okay. What's not about to happen is that you guys are going to put hands on each other at the therapist's office. Okay. Like, let's just settle down. So we go back to Andre and Libby. They're having their date night or the double date night. They get to the restaurant and I wish I took a picture. Did you guys notice that Libby had on this blue and white dress and then she had her pearls on? I was like, this bitch wore pearls to Korean barbecue. (laughs) I cannot, you know, I just, there's seriously too much going on, you guys. She wore her, like, clutching her pearls. Let me clutch my pearls because my daddy's going on a date. Bitch wore pearls. How old are you? Anyways, okay. I digress. <laughs> you wore pearls to Korean barbecue? Like, wait, what? Biget says, FYI, I hope that Chuck was the one that called immigration. That would be hilarious. Plot twist. All right. Chuck's already there when they arrive. He got there early um, because, you know, it's been over 10 years since he's been on a date or been in a relationship. So he's a little bit nervous. Wanted to get there early. Um, And so they get seated. The date hasn't arrived yet. So Andre's like, you know, is she ghosting you? And he's like, ghosting me? What does that mean? And so... Andre, because he's so classy, says, you know, it's like when they disappear like a fart in the wind. And he's like, oh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I've been off the market, right? I'm, I don't know. And then Andre, because Andre's who Andre is, says, well, yeah, we. I'm not surprised because women are not the most precise creatures as we know. Now, I want to go off on a tangent, but I'm not. I'm just going to leave it there. 
because if I go on a, off on a tangent, we're going to be here for another 40 minutes. But for the simple fact that you all see how Andre talks to not only his wife, but how he talks in front of his young daughter just shows you how and what he believes about women. How he speaks to Libby's sisters shows you how and what he thinks about women. And he will give you golden nuggets about his hyper-masculinity, toxic behavior all the time. And this is one of those nuggets where you're literally going to say that women are not the most precise creatures, as we know. Like, I'm just going to leave that with you guys right there. And if you guys don't see a problem with that, then I, I don't know what to tell you. So she's going to be a no-show. She does... Um, her name is Lisa, send Chuck a text message saying that she's so sorry, she's feeling set, she tested positive for COVID, and so they're going to have to meet up next time. And Andre's the first to not believe it and say, oh, you should tell her to send you her test results. First of all, those two haven't even met. They only met online. They haven't even met in real life. Don't tell me that you're going to tell someone that you've never met in real life, send me your personal information. Send me your medical test results to prove to me that you can't come on this date because you have COVID. Get Andre. Fuck off. So uh, the chef comes, he's making food. Andre explains how back in Moldova, they don't have an array of different types of cultural food, but in America, um, there's all a lot of different delicious types of food to have. And so it's hard not to gain weight in the U.S. Um, and so they're eating, eating, eating. And then they start to talk about the immigration stuff. And Libby now is the one that's telling her dad, Chuck, that someone called and reported Andre, which is bullshit, you guys. It's a bullshit. This is a bullshit, bullshit storyline. I wish everyone would just like go on the website and see that, oh, by the way, immigration, like for me personally, they're 17 and a half months behind on my paperwork, 17 and a half months behind. What I'm not about to say is, oh, someone called and said this and this. It's such BS, you guys. It's just such BS. And it's clear that, that he's still here. And it's clear that they had a baby. They're posting their holiday pictures. He's still here. So no one called anyone on anyone. They're going to make this stupid fight about someone calling when really immigration is just running behind. USCIS is just running behind. So why are we having this stupid ass bullshit storyline when it's just not even true? And it's, and who's going to do that? And who's going to even, Andre, you're not that important, period. Shanta says, I agree because his remark had me 38 hot facts. Natatat said, that lady ghosted him on purpose. She was like, that sounds intense to meet your daughter and son-in-law on the first date. That's that part. Anyways, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I always forget to say that. Uh, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. We're really trying to grow this little page. And I enjoy you guys. And I hope you enjoy me. Um, I have a lot to catch up on. So 
Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be doing after the 90 days on Wednesday. I'm going to catch up on all things, the single life. And, uh, I think that will be good after the 90 days with David and Annie, uh, and, um, Lauren and Alexi. Yeah. And then we'll be up to date. All right, you guys, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe, like I said. Thank you for being here, and have a great rest of the night. Bye for now.